Hey guys, welcome to the Pursuit Collective podcast. This is episode number two, and we are super excited to welcome a special guest on this podcast today. I am one of the hosts, Mark Cook, and today we have Jamie Thomas joining us and excited to have him here. And before we jump into the podcast, I'm just going to say a quick little prayer and um, thank you guys for listening. So Jesus, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to record digital content that can be shared around the world. We pray that it'll build your kingdom, encourage others, and um, just open up doors for conversations. So we thank you for allowing us to have Jamie here with us and to record this podcast today, and we pray that you will use it to advance your kingdom and build your kingdom. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'll pray. Can I pray too? Of course, man. Absolutely. would love for you too, man. Thank you so much. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this time together with Mark. Thank you for our fellowship. Thank you for our friendship. And um, please let our conversation um, pour into others and hopefully be some sort of inspiration or some sort of truth or some play some, some role in someone's discovery of a part of themselves or, a desi- or create a desire to have a relationship with you. Because we realize that is absolutely what we're here to do is spread the good news and hopefully... Um, with Mark and I working together, we can do that. And we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the words that you bless us with, with the minds that are giving us those words. And um, all these things, Lord, um, we know they all come from you. We know all the good things we have to offer come from you. And um, I thank you for that, Lord, and I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Jamie, thank you so much, man, for just praying and for being here and on the show with us today. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're not even from the States, but you've most likely you've seen on the news, the world we live in is a little crazy right now with political protesting and rioting and COVID, obviously the pandemic. And um, before we jump into some other questions, just how, how are you doing, Jamie? Are you guys good? Is your family good? I mean, you guys are in Southern California. It's a little crazy out there. Um, how are you guys holding up? I am well. My family is well. And I have settled into the chaos and um, have come to accept that things are not going to be ideal for quite some time and that, that that's okay. And it's in the Lord's hands and I just have to be patient and do what I can do every day to make it as good as possible. Well, man, we might, might jump into kind of a serious question right off the bat. And, um, and it seems like in the last couple of years, from the outside perspective that you've been a little more vocal about your faith, you know, with the new, one of the newer lines of the zero decks with the Bible verses you guys had on them and some of the cross apparel that's, um, that you guys have been putting out. It's cool to see. Um, I don't know if you'd be down or just willing to kind of jump into a little bit of what's been happening in your faith journey, how God's been working in your life, what's been happening to get you more externally processing your your faith in the Lord? Well, I think that the external processing or the external um, promotion is a byproduct of me coming um, to a, a degree of like solidity in my faith and, and practicing. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's like after spending some time and reconnecting and, you know, I don't know how you, you know, how it is for you, but oftentimes when when life gets really difficult, you know, I don't really, you know, and it's the time where we should go to the Lord and, and, you know, fall to our knees and ask for help and guidance and wisdom. Um, but oftentimes 
I've been a bit blind to that and I've tried to control things on my own and I've tried to do things my own way. And, and that's not always, uh, that's actually never really a healthy path. And sometimes it, sometimes it led me, you know, I, I led myself down this road and, um, you know, it's kind of like a prodigal son type, um, story where you just, I just turn my back on the Lord and just try and do things my way for an extended period of time, thinking that I'm taking control and I'm taking the wheel and that that is my best chance of making it through the struggles I'm facing. And it's, you know, it's, it's very contradictory to, you know, what Jesus teaches us. And it's, it's, um, it's very, you know, unproductive. It's the opposite. I basically imploded my world um, by developing bad habits and trying to, you know, like basically just getting steeped in addiction to the world, addiction to acknowledgement, addiction to Instagram, addiction to all these things and realizing that it was severing my relationship with the Lord and severing my relationships, my, my relationships mm-hmm. that, I, that I value in this world even. And um, it got to a point where it was so bad that I, you know, I had to have that, you know, meeting with Jesus. And um, and that meeting was that I needed help and what me trying to do it my way wasn't working. And I had to surrender Mm -hmm. to the will of the Lord. And I had to, you know, as as cliche as it sounds, I had to go to the cross. I had to go to church and join a men's group and get connected in fellowship and get connected in, in studying, um, and just getting plugged back into my faith. And, you know, that looked like physically going and getting plugged into church and, you know, being seen and sharing and talking about my struggles with other men. And, um, so that's what I did. And, um, so good. Yeah. And that helped me, um, get connected and, and start to, develop a daily practice of checking in with the Lord and prayer and devotion. And that daily practice, starting my day there, um, really helped me set the course for, you know, the direction of my life. And, you know, and the more I feel confident and the more I feel, you know, um, solidarity in my faith and with the Lord and just at one, um, the more it makes sense to share that with others. And, you know, and, and I also feel this level of obligation to, to let my light shine. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that that is where you see it coming through in board graphics and, you know, and zero is mm-hmm. a very conflicted company. You know, you have stuff that looks evil and you have stuff that it looks um, biblical, you know, and, some of it is, and then there's every shade in between. And um, Zero is never a Christian company. And even though, you know, I started the brand, it has a lot of different layers and a lot of different facets. It represents lots of different individuals. And um, mm-hmm. I just try and make sure that I, you know, represent myself and I represent my presence in the company in a positive way. And I try and, you know, toe that line. But it's tough, you know, and a lot of people don't really care for it, but I just know it is what it is. Zero is conflicted like the world is conflicted, and I know where my light source, and I know where the source of goodness is in my life, and that's trying to model myself after Jesus and find that, you know, find that direction and let him be my North Star, and 
that really, yeah, that really has been what my last few years have looked like is trying to, you know, recommit myself to that direction. Hmm. Maybe so cool to hear. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe even in a more mature way than I ever have been, because obviously you're gaining wisdom and maturity, you know, in your walk as you grow and as you go. And I think this time it, it feels more real. I can feel it permeating Mm -hmm. every part of my being not just like I'm practicing, but I'm also living a dual life or I'm living, I'm doing mm-hmm. something else on the side. Um, you know, it's really like investing in family, investing in relationships, mm-hmm. pouring into others, trying to, you know, be a good role model through and through, not mm-hmm. just, not just in the public eye, but like, you know, show up That's for my, me. show up for my parents, show up for my siblings and, show up for the people that are in my lives and that looks different in all those different relationships, but, um, be present. And, um, there's a book called the ruthless elimination of hurry. And, um, it's, it's basically a book talking about like, if we really, really model our model, model our lives after Jesus, that there's so much to be gained and that, you know, Mm. it, it really centers us. And, um, anyway, I'm trying to do so that cool. day by day. Yeah, man. And I was, you know, I was just a thought was coming in my mind while you were sharing about how even as a skater, I mean, there's there's no perfect skater that exists. No matter how much you skate or how often you skate or how good you get, there's there's not a perfection. I was thinking the same is true with our walk with the Lord, right? That um, that every day is a progression to become more like Christ, but, but until we get to heaven, we will never achieve, you know, uh, that perfection. And, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like the, what I was hearing you say is the closer that you get to the Lord, the more you grow in your understanding of him, the less you have to operate in your own strength and the more you get to just operate in his strength. And, and probably I would assume, I would think that starts to release a little bit of the burden and the weight that you would try to carry on your own shoulders. Um, I don't know if that's, if that's at all true for you or if you felt that um maybe uh, i um i mean I, I see what you're saying and I, I think that that's a common way to look at it but i think i look at it a little bit differently and the way i see it is is that i spent you know a lot of my life being addicted to the world addicted to the things in this world that temporarily take away pain or numb pain and the opposite of addiction is connection and for me, I see it as being connected on a spiritual level to the Lord is the starting point for that connection. And if you're connected on a spiritual level to the Lord, then you can, you can, you can be open to connection with other people. And, and that is what I'm practicing on a daily basis is being connection, mm. being connected and you know, practicing connection in all sorts and showing up and just calling people and seeing how they're doing. You make a connection. You, 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 you show your love for them. And, and then, you know, if you listen or if someone asks for help and you help them, like all those are ways to connect. And I think that that is kind of me identifying that I am succumb to addiction and obsession with, you know, repeat patterns or behavioral patterns 
and identifying that I can't, I can't stop those, that obsession and that addiction unless I replace it with other habits. And that is where I'm trying to replace it with devotion and connection. Hmm. And I think that that has been the turning point for me and how it's changed my life so much. Hmm. Do you feel like this is a question that we had written down? Um, You have this power of influence as a business owner, as a character in a video game, as an athlete. Um, Do you feel like in the past it's, it's felt like a weight or responsibility that you have with your influence or do you feel like it's a, uh, an opportunity? Well, early on before I, gained any experience or wisdom about my faith and my role, I felt that whatever anyone told me my role was, that was my role. I, I didn't grow up with super clear boundaries or, or a practice of, you know, implementing boundaries. So it was really hard for me to be able to determine, you know, everyone would tell me that I was supposed to do this or that they needed me to do this. And I felt obligated, like I have to do all this stuff. And, I'm, you know, and when I came to Christ at at the time, I was the most popular skateboarder that was, you know, open about their faith or open about being a Christian. So I felt like it was my obligation, but then I burned out and I felt that my relationship was now just on display and it wasn't even real anymore. I was just like selling a, a, a product. And, um, and I think that that kind of, put me in a, I don't know, non-trusting place to where I kind of lost that spark and I lost that connection and then had to go find it all over again by, you know, destroying myself or destroying my, I don't know, just blowing up my world all over again. And um, it's sad that I had to go through that, but, you know, that was what my faith journey looked like. And, and now I don't feel obligated. I feel like you said, like it's an opportunity. And, and I, and I even tread lightly on that. I tread lightly on how, how I share and when I share, because it's not really like, I feel like I don't want to turn people off or I'm afraid or I'm afraid of rejection because people think that, you know, a Jesus follower is not cool. It really is just like, it's a, it's a personal relationship and Mm -hmm. there are parts of it that are easy to profess. And then there are parts of it that are personal and I just don't feel it's appropriate on, on certain platforms to go, you know, sharing that. And, you know, and I, and I'm trying to find that, find that sweet spot of, you know, letting my light shine, um, before others in all, you know, categories of my life. And, um, mm-hmm. it's not always easy. It's not always easy to know, you know, what that looks like. So I pray about it and I don't know. I'm just, you know, cause it's the worst thing, right? When someone's like, Oh, I didn't know that guy was a Christian. You know, I mean, that means, mm-hmm. that means you're clearly not practicing. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not sharing, you're not sharing or you're not showing, you know, you're not leading by example. Like, you know, no one, if you don't, they don't know you're a Christian and no one's like, Oh, I wonder what makes that guy, you know, the way he is, you know, that's what you want. You know, you want people wondering 
like why you're gracious. You want people wondering why you're patient and why you're loving and why you can turn the other cheek and why you can show up, you know, because that's, that's when people are like, whoa, it's working for him. This it's not just something he's talking about. It's something that he's living. And um, so that's kind that's of so what good, I'm, man. yeah, that's kind of what I, I'm trying to do. And I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out. But, um, you know, I don't feel obligated anymore. I feel it's an opportunity. Yeah. I feel like you've done a really good job at it. I Just in our friendship and getting to know each other. I, yeah. I feel like you're doing it well, doing it well. Thanks. I appreciate that. Man, I'm, yeah. So, man, when we first reached out to you, I was actually, it was through Instagram and I'm not telling, saying this to tell people to go message you on Instagram, but I was really surprised you wrote us back. That was how we, we connected and, um, and we chatted a little bit about, about what we do. And I think when we reached out, we were like, man, we knew we were like, Jamie's a believer. He's an incredible skateboarder. We were like, let's get him on a trip with us. This would be awesome. And we reached out and we chatted and, uh, you guys had done some trips together as a family. Is that right? Like you down to Mexico or what was it like? Had you ever, I mean, we're going to get to this in a few minutes about you coming. You ended up, ended up coming with us on a trip, which was awesome, but you had been on a few trips like with the family. Um, yeah, we'd been on a few, um, you know, really small weekend mission trips. Um, and we'd served at our church, um, locally, um, trying to help in other ways like food drives. And, you know, we'd done a few home builds in Mexico uh, with YWAM and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I had felt what that felt like to serve for the Lord and to serve other people. And, you know, it's, it's probably one of the best feelings you can feel, you know, um, especially doing it with people you love and, you know, being there with your family and building memories, helping someone, learning, you know, how to do something really cool and, you know, working hard, like all those things, you know, it's contribution. You can take so much pride and, and you can have so much love for. Um, so those were really special opportunities. We'd done a few home builds in Mexico um, with my family and we'd served, served the communities, you know, giving out backpacks with school supplies and like low income neighborhoods. Um, you know, and that, that's more recent and in the past, I'd, you know, done several missions for the homeless and, you know, just worked on several projects that, you know, really connected me with that feeling of giving and serving and knowing that that is so, so good. It's like, it's probably the best thing we can do. Um, and so you've been, I mean, you've been on, sorry, you've been on tons of probably skate mission trips, you know, like other, there's other forms of missions, not just Christian missions or ministry missions, but, um, yeah, but they, I know they, you had one of the, they usually look at, they, they, they usually look like you're there to impress people. You're not there to sure. serve, serve people and love people. You know, totally. you may get moments and, and opportunities to do that here and there. If someone wants to talk to you about something a little more real. Um, but it's not very often that on skate tours we get to, you know, you get to serve and show up for people. It could be conversations here and there and, you know, being kind, um, you know, that is service, but it's like, you know, at the like base level, you know? Um, so when you guys reached out, when you reached out and you had, you know, pretty much where I was at, I was starting to lean into like, Hey, anything I do now, I really need to do it with my family. I can't afford, I can't afford more time away from my family on voluntary trips for, for obli- for things that I'm not, e- that they're not even my, my personal obligation. 
so, you know, to get an offer to go somewhere and go be involved in this really cool thing, like that's great, but that's just more time away from my family. You know, and my family, when you reached out a few years ago and still they're in very critical ages, they're in their teen years Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be very long until they're gone. So I just have, you know, stopped accepting any travel outside of absolute necessity just so I can spend more time with my family. And, and then if someone wants me to travel and it's not a necessity, then I just say, Hey, you know, I'm down to do it, but I need to bring at least one or two kids in order to enrich our relationship or have experiences and build, you know, build memories together. So, um, that's what, that's what I asked of you guys and you were, you you were all in and love the idea. So that's, I think where the idea really took shape. Yeah. It was super cool. I mean, for anyone listening, Trey and Julian, they jumped on the trip with us. And when Jamie, when you had reached out you're like, Hey, can my boys come? It, dude, it, it, honestly, it was, it was a blast having them, you know, they just brought a different dynamic and youth and, you know, just are young kids. So they're fun and they're funny. And, um, they, uh, you think they had a fun time on the trip? They enjoyed it? Yeah, they really liked it. I mean, obviously they're going to a new country. Everything's so different and, and cool and weird. And then, and you know, they really enjoyed all of you guys. You guys were great with them and, you know, they were able to have those memories, you know, and, just the shenanigans and the conversations and, you know, all, all the things that we experienced, um, were really good for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering where we even went, we had, uh, gone down to Medellin, Colombia for go skate day. We had gotten the invitation from the city of Medellin to come down and help host their go skate day activities and a couple contests and we thought what better person let's bring down jamie as a guest judge and as someone to help MC a little bit and so jamie came with us and and that was your first time to south america right it was and that's crazy that i've had i've been pro for over 25 years and never gone to south america so it's very yeah i've gone to central america panama ecuador um or no excuse me panama san salvador or el salvador and, um, and yeah, never had made it to South America, which is interesting. And, and it was, it was fun for us. We, we generally don't get the opportunity or privilege to get to travel with pro athletes, not at least not probably at the caliber of, of your, uh, your popularity. And so, yeah, it was cool. I mean, getting to see here's, you know, someone who's never even been to South America and, sure the the people who are coming up they found out that you were going to be there and some people come up bringing you know old vhs tapes that they wanted you to sign or magazines and it was cool just to see how your influence had transcended those borders and um yeah it was definitely it was cool to experience from our perspective for sure well you know what what's interesting is is that the year before that trip i had kind of taken some time off of like traveling and touring as a pro skateboarder. So I hadn't really been in the public eye too much. So going there was a little bit of like a blast from the past. It was like, I was as relevant there in 2019 as like I was in the United States, like 15 years mm-hmm. earlier. Um, you know, cause I can go on tour now and you know, a lot of the fans that show up are so young. They've heard my name, but they don't really have a, you know, direct understanding for, you know, uh, some, 
some level of influence that I may have. Whereas, you know, there are some older guys that show up at demos in the United States that are really excited. But the people in South America and on our trip in Colombia were just so excited. Like it was like insane. Like I was feeling like a bit overwhelmed um, hmm. with that admiration and enthusiasm for people to take a photo with me and, and it was a little bit crazy because my my son Trey was only 11 at the time and we're going to this plaza and I got to keep an eye on him. But people aren't really trying to hear about anything that I have to do whatsoever. They just didn't think yeah. they didn't think they were ever going to see me. And they don't they're not trying to hear about I got to watch my son. They're like, I need you to do this now. This is it. Life or death. I need <laughs> you to take this photo. I need you to sign this autograph. I need you to go meet yeah. my friend. I need all these things from you. And. I wasn't, I wasn't as, as, um, you know, it was, it, it was tough. It was tough to stay patient, tough to stay, mm-hmm. stay, um, open because, you know, we're in this crazy plaza and, you know, in Colombia there's, you know, a, there's a lot of darkness there too, you know, and it's been mm-hmm. broadcasted and it's not that I was overly fearful, but if I can't keep an eye on my son or my both, both sons. It, it, it feels a little bit stressful. So I didn't really plan and prepare mm-hmm. for that. Um, but that's that's kind of more of like just something that I, I witnessed and experienced and felt. But then, mm-hmm. you know, there was tons of other funny stuff, just, you know, riding in the vans and all the conversations that we would have. And, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you guys all having, um, you know, knowing each other previously and having history it was amazing to witness that. And then all the conversations like, you know, in our in our place where we stayed um, and, you know, you guys playing cards and you know, uh, just so much, you know, and then what was at stake of playing cards is the loser had to, the loser had to eat quail eggs and that was, you know, raw quail eggs, which was, as we found out, not, you know, not advisable by the, by the locals. They were like, no, that's gross. You can get really sick. (laughs) But watching, watching, you know, you guys gag trying to eat these quail eggs was, you know, one of the highlights. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you that I was one of the ones that had to do it. And yeah. I have a little bit of PTSD from it. It's like, uh, <laughs> just the thought of it is making me a little nauseous. Yeah. Um, man, even, you know, one of the last nights we were there in Columbia, this just goes to show some of the things that you were just sharing is that there was a couple tattoo artists that were like, we want you to give us a tattoo, Jamie. And they ended up coming back to our hotel room. And I felt, man, I felt so bad for you because they were there till like five in the morning, I think. They brought everything, set up the whole kit, had the tattoo machine, and and you gave. I think one of them didn't you? You tattooed your signature on one of them. Yeah, it was a single for skull. for sure. The zero skull. Yeah, that, yeah, that was yeah. the tattoo artist. Um, it was a single skull on my signature, and um, yeah, it's pretty pretty weird. And I remember being really frustrated because <laughs> my eyes my eyes have gone you know gone bad in the last like five or seven years. My close up vision you know, I need readers and no one had readers and I was having to do these tattoos. And it was like what I was seeing was kind of blurry. Um, yeah. and I, I, that was really frustrating, but it, it is cool. Oh, yeah. It is cool to be able to tattoo people. And I've done, I've done tattoos before and people really love, they love that kind of souvenir, especially if you're a tattoo collector mm-hmm. to be a tattoo collector and then get the opportunity to get tattooed by, you know, someone that you looked up oh, yeah. to, looked up to, it seems to be, you know, one of those, um, things truly unique. Yeah, man, that was definitely, definitely fun memories. And, um, 
Well, one moment that I know I hate to make you relive um, because it's like never fun to talk about or think about getting hurt. But when you guys, so you guys had a super long travel day. I think you flew from LA into El Salvador into maybe one other country. You get into Medellin, I think at like 3 a.m. And we all went to the airport to pick you up. And I think that night we, we stayed up almost all night long. It was like we were just hanging out talking and we get to the park the next day and it was probably within like five minutes um, we look over and, and you had taken a fall. I don't know if you're down to, to relive it. I don't really remember exactly what happened. You probably would better, but um, right out of the gate kind of, kind of got hurt. Yeah. So I will, first off, I'll say that, that injuries aren't very traumatic for me because I've had so many. Okay. So it's been just a part of my life. Um, so yeah, there's no problem reliving it or walking back through that. Um, and it was a very minor injury and it, you know, didn't cause, didn't cause me a lot of pain. It just took me out. So yeah, as you said, as you said, we, we flew a a long way and, you know, we were kind of just there rolling around the park the park wasn't even open yet. We were just the only ones there kind of checking it out. And, um, I'd, I'd really only been there for five minutes and I'd only rolled barely on any obstacles, but, um, I rolled down a bank and really, really rare randomly my heel hit the top of a hubba, like a ledge going down that same bank. And what it did was, is it just slowed my board down and slowed my feet down to a degree to where it, it lunged the top portion of my body forward. And I had to jump off my board and, because the bank was pretty long, I like basically jumped off my board into a run and then ran all the way down the bank and couldn't catch myself because of my body wasn't warmed up and I didn't like do a commando roll and I just dove onto my shoulder. And it's kind of like when first thing in the day, like you're skating to the store and you're not even warm yet and you take your first few pushes and you hit a rock, you fall really, <laughs> you fall really hard. Oh yeah. Well, it was pretty much like that, except I was at the top of a bank. So I pretty much just ran down the bank and dove onto my shoulder. When I dove onto my shoulder, I separated my shoulder. And because my body wasn't warm, my ligaments weren't warm, my my muscles weren't warm, it just separated my shoulder. And at first, it hurt, you know, and I was kind of like massaging it and like rotating my shoulder, trying to see how bad it was. Um, And then I thought it was okay. And then about five five minutes later, the stiffness and the soreness set in and I couldn't even lift my arm couldn't lift it at all and you know started icing it and then realized that I wasn't going to be able to skate for the whole trip not only the whole trip Mm -hmm. probably for two to three weeks and um that's how it happened first five minutes I was I was now just a spectator on the trip just there to watch everyone else (laughs) um and and it's uh it's rare but it does happen sometimes and you know I tried to say a few prayers and just be like you know lord let me enjoy this trip and you know, and, and accept that, you know, this was meant to happen for one reason or another and just be okay with that and know that I can't change it, know that I can't control it and just lean into it and take care of myself and try and be as emotionally available as possible for everyone else. You know, it's the story of my life. I feel like those are the kind of injuries I get. It's doing something so stupid or like, yeah, you, like you saying, you know, skating down to somewhere to get a drink or something, hitting a rock. I feel like that's always the times I've gotten hurt. And, you know, it was interesting as I even think about this question, um, 
before the trip and coming in on the trip, I know you had shared with me, you were like, man, my, my hope on this trip, my goal is just to watch and observe. Like me and my boys want to go see, be a part of it and watch and observe. And it's almost like, you know, that happening, you know, I think that, I think that it forced that and maybe a good way, because I think that, I mean, you saw the excitement of everybody, um, when they saw you or you were there at the event that I feel like had that not happened, it could have pushed you to, to be more in the spotlight, to have people be like, Oh, Jamie, we want to have you skate or we want you to do a demo or we want you to do this. And, and it really allowed you, I felt like to be there for what you had hoped to be, which was just to kind of be a part of the trip and not have the trip revolve around you. Do you feel like that's true at all? You feel like it didn't change the purpose for you being on the trip? Yeah, I wanted to be there just to experience it. I didn't really have expectations in one way or another. I really love skateboarding and I love the mm-hmm. I love the connection it brings with fans and with the people I'm skating with and you know all that stuff, but you know, it's just like when one of your when one of your um senses is gone, you just you you just lean into the others more. And you know, once I knew I couldn't skate, I had to embrace it. You know, my only options are embrace it or be miserable and fight it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm mature enough now to know that, you know, that that's a dead end and there's no point in that. So I really just tried to embrace it. And um, there was times, yeah, it was really tough watching everybody skate, time where my shoulders hurt. Sleeping was terrible. You can't, with a separated shoulder, you you can't sleep on that side. You have to hold your arm a certain way, like down your body. If it, fl- if it falls off your body at night, the pain wakes you up. But those are just small, those are small inconveniences that are just like, they go away. It's just when you're in the moment, they're highly inconvenient. But it was a blessing, man. Yeah. It was a blessing it to, was- to be able to see it from a different perspective and to not, yeah, to not be so hungry to show off and to, you know, show all my stuff. And I don't really do that as much anymore, but it would have been really nice mm-hmm. to be able to just skate and, you know, kind of roll <laughs> yeah. around and feel that freedom and that was good feelings, but you know, it wasn't there to be had and it wasn't meant to be. So I just tried to embrace yeah. what, what was there. And when, man, when I think about the trip for those that, um, for those of us that were on the trip, we had one guy from Bogota, Colombia who met us there, Raul. And that first night he tore his ACL. He was trying to bomb a hill, got speed wobble, try to run it out messed his knee up he was in a wheelchair the whole time and i'm thinking about like we're pushing him around and then one of the guys that came with us from florida nick literally knocked his shoulder out of socket or pulled his arm out of socket i think three times on the trip like kept her in his shoulder chris the filmer who was filming with us he rolled his ankle really bad and it was like all within the first like 48 hours yeah we were we were were under uh, siege man it was gnarly dude it was crazy and um yeah, I just remember thinking like, man, who's next? It was like Final Destination, who was going to get hurt next. But yeah. uh, thankfully, everyone was all right in the end. What about, so so? just a couple more questions, man. Go Skate Day in Medellin. Um, for those of you who have celebrated Go Skate Day, you know it's an event on June 21st, celebrated around the world. Um, most cities definitely go out, at least the skaters all come out and skate and hang out contests and events. Had you ever experienced a gathering of skateboarders like Medellin or was that unique to what you've seen, Jamie? 
No, it was unique. I mean, I, on Go Skate Day, I've, I've largely for the past 10 years tried to avoid those insane crowds. Um, not, not because I'm, you know, not into it just because, you know, I've just, I just always felt a little bit like overwhelmed by it. Um, and it's an overwhelming experience having that many people just mashing and charging. And it's also cool though. I mean, to actually experience it finally, um, I was able to push at this point and ollie up a curb, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not even ollie up a curb, maybe just push. Um, so I was able to experience it pushing through the streets with everyone, but it was chaos, you know, it was so <laughs> many people. And, um, you know, and luckily everyone stayed safe, you know, in Bogota, there was, you know, that, that, uh, collision with the motorcycle and then everyone started fighting the police and it was chaos, but mm-hmm. where we were, it was just so many people and it was a bit overwhelming, but, um, you know, it was, it was actually really cool to witness as well. And I'd never experienced anything mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I know for us, that was a big driving force to want to go back to Medellin. We were there the year before for Go Skate Day. And it was, yeah, several thousand skaters, you know, in the city all gathered. And the closest thing that I can relate it to for me is that when I graduated college, I went to uh, Pamplona, Spain to run with the Bulls. And it it was like the running of the Bulls modern day with skateboards. You know, you're packed in the street, shoulder to shoulder, thousand skaters and everyone just starts cheering and one person starts skating we skate a couple miles you know through the streets stopping traffic cars are you know blocked off and dudes are skitching behind buses and it was chaotic and I I even remember for you trying to like keep an eye help keep an eye on your boys because I was just like dude this is this is nuts and um you end up we all at the end of the two mile skate you end up at this big skate park in Medellin and everyone's just cheering and going nuts and it was definitely it's definitely a unique experience if any of you ever get the chance to go to Medellin Colombia on Go Skate Day you should definitely try to make it happen I so, think I think any city in South America on Go Skate Day is nuts Yeah yeah the, I mean they all the, go crazy Yeah the, the South American culture just loves skateboarding and it, there's so many skateboarders and they're just they, they come out it was like ants <laughs> yeah so last question man and it's an easy one i hope i hope your hope your answer is what i hope um 2021 2022 sometime in the future thoughts on going on another trip with ride nature yeah i would love to i mean the the same thing still stands for me i'd love to bring some of my kids um or my family and um but yeah it's a it's an amazing experience and the last trip was awesome. Even though I couldn't skate, it was still, you know, something mm. my, myself and my boys will remember forever. So I, I thank you. So, I thank you and Ride Nature for the invite and for taking us on the trip. Man, it was an honor and a blessing to have you and to get to know your family. And man, we would, we would be stoked. It blesses me, man. Gets me excited thinking that you would want to come back. I think it was good. And I think that I would be even just even in a better place to be able to know my role and to, you know, hopefully be able to share in a different way. I mean, when you have a language barrier, it's tough, you know, and it's tough to be able to share the message, you know, and it be a cultural barrier as well. Um, it's tough, but, um, you know, much respect to what you guys do and, you know, thank you for what you do and, you know, thanks for your contribution to skateboarding and to surfing and, 
um, I think it's a, you know, a great organization. and I'm, I'm thankful to be friends and a part of it. Jamie, we just want to thank you again, man, for being on the show with us and um, super excited. Hopefully we'll do this again. We'll have you on another one. So um, for those of you that are listening, thank you for joining us as well. And remember, trading in endless pursuits for one that leads to hope in life. Together we become the Pursuit Collective. Thank you guys for joining us. God bless.